Hi, this is Pastor Philip Lin, and I'm the Senior Pastor of Skyline SIB. Welcome to the Skyline SIB podcast. We're so glad that you're taking time to tune in. Whatever you may be going through, God is with you, and we hope that this message will encourage and inspire you to draw closer to Him. Enjoy the message. Good morning, good morning, praise the Lord. It's a joy to be with all of you here this morning. Uh, We love your pastors, Pastor Philip and Pastor Nancy. Thank you for sharing your pastors with us. They were with us in Miri for our leadership retreat uh, sometime in uh, April. Was it April? Uh, June, June. And, uh, you know, we, well, I tell you, we were so impacted by Pastor Philip and Pastor Nancy's stories. Uh, our people love them so much. We nearly want them, to, you know, we nearly tell them, hey, import like, we import you over, you know, to Sarawak. <laughs> yeah, but we love your pastors and uh, it's a joy to be here this morning. How do you raise such eloquent communicators in this house, Pastor Philip? My goodness, the MCs, the host, everybody speaks so well. How does that happen? <laughs> I, I have a saying when people speak good English to me, I say, please do not intoxicate me with your exuberant verbosity. <laughs> but anyways, thank you for the invitation. Uh, first, first of all, congratulations on your 21st anniversary. We celebrate uh, the goodness of God together with you, our Skyline family. And uh, we're just excited of what God is about to do as you move and transit into your new location. We're so inspired by what God is doing here in this house. Amen. You have inspired us in ways beyond what you have thought of. Amen. Let's jump right into the Word this morning. I have a fun message for us. All right. Uh, You you know you are given permission to have fun in the house of God, yes? (laughs) And I've entitled my message this morning... Paise no more. Now, paise is a Hokkien term. Uh, for those of you who are not Hokkien, uh, in Chinese, probably the closest word to describe paise is hai siu la, right? Bill hai siu la. Right? No la, no la. You know the verbatim, right? Or, uh, uh, you know, the, the, when, when someone comes to you and says, hey, wow, your son did very well line in his SPM. No la, no la. He just lucky la. His cousin uh, did even better than him. Uh, true or not? I'm for you today, youths. Someone comes up right and says, hey, wow, you lost weight. Uh, looking really good. Uh. No la, no la. My shirt today just baggy la. That is the Paisei spirit that needs to be cast out of the Asian church in Jesus' name. Paisei, no more. Right? Someone comes and says, Hey, wow, Pastor Peter, uh, that was such a great time of worship, man. You can sing so well. No la, no la. So and so can sing better. And I want to address this Paisei spirit because it is paralyzing the Asian church. The Pisces spirit is killing us. When you were little, you knew you were born to be amazing, right? Ask any kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? They tell you, I want to be a princess. I want to be Spider-Man. I want to be the next chief minister. That's Pastor Rachel's dream. Pray for her. The truth is, when you become fully alive in the Lord's purposes for your lives, it doesn't reduce the people around you. Instead, it inspires them. And there's nothing to be pie say about. Somebody say amen. Yeah. 
And sometimes I feel like as Asians, right, we have this inferiority complex when it comes to our Western brothers and sisters, yeah? We've got the, those, the whiter skin one, you know, with a bit more blonded hair, you know? We get a bit more intimidated, right? We, we, we look at them as, as a higher uh, caste, you know, than us Asians. And I feel that needs to break. I think it's time to burst that bubble and have the black hand Asians rise up in the name of Jesus. You know, it is time for the Asian preachers, for the Asian teachers, for the Asian apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors to arise in this hour. For the Asian missionaries to be sent out. For Asian church planters to arise in this hour. God has raised the Asian church for such a time as this. And I love what Heidi Baker said many years ago in one of the conferences I attended. She said this, it is time for the Asian eagles to soar. She said, no longer shall you stay in the nest, but it is time, your time to soar. No more fear. God wants to break the fear of failure over the Asian eagles. And I think there are two roots. Let's deal with root systems today. Because we don't just want to deal with symptoms. You can cut off the fruit, but then if you don't deal with the root system, the fruit will appear again. And so let's deal with root systems today on what causes this Pisces spirit to come forth. I suggest two roots here. Firstly, it's the fear of failure, which is a big deal in our Asian culture. And the second is that of false humility, which really essentially is pride. Let's get real. And I want to spend more time on the fear of failure as compared to false humility because this is a really big deal in our Asian culture today. We're so afraid to fail. Everything must be perfect. Everything must be excellent. We're so scared to fail and yet no true and lasting success has ever come without failure. In fact, there's a Chinese proverb that says, 失败是成功之母。是的。Amen. And in the English definition of that, it literally translates as failure is the mother of all successes. We never really know true lasting success without first failing. Failure should be viewed as an education. Come on. Because you've tried, it doesn't work. You know this doesn't work anymore, right? This method, that method you've tried doesn't work. And so failure is an education. And some of us are highly educated because you have failed many times. (laughs) See, there's no innovation without failure. Right? Failure is an education. The moment you stop failing, I suggest, is the moment you have stopped learning. It is the moment you have stopped growing. And so can I have the permission today to say to all of you Skyliners, this week, go out and fail. (laughs) Help me preach this morning. Turn to your neighbor and say, go out and fail this week. Go out and fail this week. Go out and try something new that you have never done. Learn something new that you have never done. And I guarantee you, you you will fail. You know, we came to KK, we brought Pastor Solomon and Auntie Anne, Pastor Rachel's parents with us on Wednesday. And then on Thursday, we took them to the islands. And uh, one of our friends with us, Chen, she has never snorkeled before. Can you believe it? She's 34 and have never snorkeled in her life. And so we said, what have you been missing out, man? 
because fear of waters, you know, fear of the fish, fear of everything. And so we say, come on, it's time to break that fear of failure. If you drown, you drown. It's okay. KK is a nice place to die in. Everybody fails in many ways And this truth statement reduces The fear on the inside of me Because I realise I'm not the only one Everyone fails In fact, the percentage of human failure Is 100% (laughs) If you have never failed in your life Any one of you here Please come and lay your hands on me After the service and pray For me I I implore you (laughs) We all fail in many ways We all stumble in many ways If there was a club for failure We could all join it James chapter 3 and verse 2 says it this way, we all stumble in many ways. We all stumble in many ways. Now, have you ever stumbled in public? Perhaps across your graduation stage, worse, your wedding day. And you, if you have stumbled in public like me, Pastor Philip had a very big yeah. Did you stumble on your wedding day? Oh, man. But if you, like me, have stumbled in public before, you know the reaction of people, right? What, what, what's their reaction? They gasp. <gasps> they wince. Almost as if they could sympathize and relate with you stumbling because probably they have stumbled in their lives before also and so they know the humiliation that comes with stumbling. Yeah. I can recall three really embarrassing moments of my life that I stumbled. The first one was when I was a bridesmaid in my cousin's wedding and then they had the exit march. Right, so, oh, Mr. and Mrs. Walcott, and then they walked, you know, and then, so the bridesmaid, we had to partner with the groomsman, right, and then, you know, we were making the exit march. And so, what the groomsman I was partnering with, my goodness, I don't know what he was rushing for, but he grabbed my arm and then he, he pulled me, you know. And I was going up the stairs, I stepped on my dress and I fell. And then in Cornerstone, Singapore, the, the steps were steel. Not carpeted, ah, steel, metal. And so when I fell, it went clunk, 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 clunk. And guess what? Everybody gasped. They were like, oh, that was really embarrassing. I was so angry with that groomsman after that. I said, what's your problem? What are you rushing for? The second most embarrassing time I fell and stumbled was when I was invited to a commissioning ball by this guy who was trying to court me. Trying to, but failed lah. Obviously, no ring. <laughs> and uh, you know, he was the second sort of honor in the officer cadet school in Singapore. And so, you know, he he, he asked me to be his date at this commissioning ball, and I, I said, yeah, sure. You know, really good looking guy. He he's now a lawyer, and I I wore heels, right? And so we were walking, and my heel got stuck in one of this thread of a carpet, you know, in the ballroom. And so what happened next was I got stuck and I fell. I stumbled. So that's why until now I'm still single. Why, God, why? Another time I could recall stumbling was when I was going up to preach. And uh, one of my, again, my heel, I tell you, I, I don't know why I do this to myself, but my heel got stuck under one of the steps, you know. And so uh, my, my foot literally came out of my shoe and uh, I stumbled uh, in front of the whole youth ministry. 500 over young people just burst out in laughter. But stumbling or failure 
it's, it's not a fun thing to do, right? It's, it's painful almost. It's embarrassingly painful. But yet Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 20, I want to read from the today's English version. It says, there is no one on earth who always does what is right all the time and never makes a mistake. I have a little card that Pastor Rachel really hates that I put on the wall of my office and it says, I'm not perfect, but I'm close. <laughs> and she would say to me, Sabi, the reason why God put me in your life is to prove to you that you're not always right. <laughs> if you, you all need best friends like this. When you have friends like that, you don't need enemies. <laughs> you know, if you're a basketball player, and if, you're a, if you play basketball, you'll know that even superstars make failing mistakes. Right? No basketballer makes 100% of their shots. They are failures. They are missed shots. And in fact, if you make 50% of your shots as a basketballer, ladies and gentlemen, you are LeBron James. You are a superstar. And that means you miss half of the time. And that makes you the best. Failure is not that big a deal unless you give up. Failure is not final until you give up. But yes, I understand failure can be painful. But listen, don't give up. Stick it through. Stick it through because that destiny, because that breakthrough, because that innovation is just about the corner. You've got to learn to stick through the pain of failure to get to the purpose of His promise. And that reminds me of the parable of the wheat and the tares, right? In Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 to 30, Jesus says it this way, another parable he put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. While man slept, the enemy came, sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted, produced the crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? Good seed of destinies? Good seed of innovation in your fields? How then does it have tares, thorns? Jesus said to them, that he said to them, an enemy has done this. The servants said to him, do you want us then to go and gather them up? And he said, no, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, until the breakthrough, until that, that destiny is fulfilled. Amen. You see the wheat and the tares, the problem is this, that both look the same on the surface. But then, on the inside, which is what you don't see underground, the tears would intermingle with the wheat. The root systems would get intertwined. And so, here the parable is saying that while you want to pluck out the pain of your failure, which is the tears, don't do that. Because then, in doing so, you may also uproot the wheat. The lesson that God wants to teach us in our failures. That character that God wants to form in our failures. See, there are some things about God and some lessons that you can only learn when you're going down. Not something we all want to hear, right? Suddenly the amen became a bit softer. <laughs> and we don't like the word down. Because the word down carries a negative connotation to it. It is associated with failures, with the bad market, right? With the losers. For example, you have words like down and out. Downfall. Right, downhill, downhearted, downcast, downgrade, downmarket, downtrodden, downpayment. 
Worst of all, down and under. Down under. We all like the word up, right? It's a word that is associated with people, with what people like to hear. Upscale, upmarket, upwardly mobile, upper class, up and coming, upgrade, uptake. Why do you think they named the drink seven up, not seven down? Yes! It's a word for the chosen few who rise up against the rest, right? People who ascend to money, people who ascend to pleasure, people who climb the corporate ladder in their positions. And as far as the world is concerned, up, up, up is the way to go. Because this is the world's perspective for success. No room for failure. It's just up, up, up. The Christian graph is never like this. If any of your life is like that, again, please come and impart to me. Your life is not like this. It's not, wow, once become Christian, our life is always peaking one, peaking one, upscale, upscale. No, if I could draw the, the graph of my Christian faith, it, it should and it would look like this, right? We are soaring and then something happens down, right? And in that pain of failure, in that pain of discouragement, what happens is that God is preparing us to propel us even higher, and then the next down comes. It is to propel us even higher. And that's how it should look like. It's not like that one. Too idealistic to think of it like that. There are valuable gems of lessons to learn in life only when we're going down. Ask Peter. When Peter was sinking... The hand of grace, Jesus' hand, came and pulled him out of the water. And what was, G what, was what was Peter's response after that? He reacted and said, now I know that you are the Lord. There are some aspects of God you will only discover when you're going down. Some gems of lessons in life you will only grasp when you're going down. Paul had this thing he called a thorn in his flesh. And he tried to weed it out. Three times, you read the Bible, three times, he said, Lord, take this thorn away from me. Take it away. And if you have ever asked God to take something away, that's fine. But if he doesn't do it, leave it there because it's there for a purpose. And some of you might even be going through this pain of failure right now. And listen, the enemy is sowing lies into your head and he's saying, stop sowing, it's not worth it. Stop sowing, you're not going to see a breakthrough. Stop sowing. But I'm here today to encourage you, don't stop sowing. Keep sowing, keep loving, keep forgiving, keep showing up. Keep plowing because there is purpose in that pain of failure. I said to the young people in youth service last night, I said, you know, I'm concerned about emotions because, you know, we have taught the young people, if you don't feel it, then you don't have to do it. I hope we never give this kind of advice to our children. You don't feel it, then don't come to church. Lah. You don't feel it. I told the young people, look, if you don't feel it, you learn to faith it. Not fake it. Huh? Faith it. Faith it. I don't feel like praising today. I don't feel like raising my hands. Faith it. Remember the parable of the wheat and the tares. God uses both. He doesn't just use the wheat. He also used the tares. And this reminds me of the life of Joseph. And I love this man. The pain he has gone through and the triumph he had, he, he had come, come forth and emerged with, right? 
the story of Joseph, he was thrown into the pit and uh, you know who rescued him? It wasn't the Israelites, it was, it was the Ishmaelites. Look at this story, Genesis chapter 37, verses 25 to 28. When they had sat down to eat a meal, then they lifted their eyes and looked and there was a company of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels, bearing spices, balm and myrrh on their way to carry them down to Egypt. So Judah said to his brothers, what profit is there if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come and let us sell, to, sell him to the Ishmaelites and let not our hand be upon him for he is our brother and our flesh. And his brothers listened. Then Midianite traders passed by. So the brothers pulled Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. And they took Joseph to Egypt on the way to fulfilling his destiny. Now Ishmaelite was the son that Abraham had doing his way. Right? Isaac was the son that Abraham had doing it God's way. And guess which one got used? He used both. He used both. He used Isaac and he also used the Ishmaelites. God can use your failures. God can use your mistakes to bring about your deliverance and that of others in the future. So don't try to weed out the pain, to weed out the tears of that failure and in turn, weed out also the wheat of the destiny and the promises of God in your life. Be patient. Don't be scared of failures. Asian bride, Asian eagles, don't be afraid of failures. Amen? I suggest that this root of the fear of failure comes often when we compare ourselves to one another, right? If I deal with root systems today, uh, so the root of the Pisces spirit is the fear of failure, right? And then the root of the fear of failure is comparison. Comparison. Because when we compare ourselves to other people, it always gets us into trouble. Always. Nothing good comes out of comparison. And in today's world, we have made comparing an indoor sport. On our social media. True or not? Right? You look online, you see somebody having a beautiful meal. You also want to have a beautiful meal. You go on Instagram, on Facebook, someone had just bought a beautiful uh, piece of, of, of clothing. You also say, uh, maybe it's time for me to go shopping. Listen, nobody ever shows up on their social media when they have diarrhea. When they are farting all the time and their hair is in a mess. Do you take a picture of yourself there and then say, Wow, I got terrible diarrhea today. <laughs> no, right? Right? We all show the also perfect lives that we have, right? My cat is cuter than your cat. My dog can roll over more than your dog. Bang, bang. Oh, yeah. We have made comparison an indoor sport. And besides that, parents today are now trying to compete through their kids. They get their own self-worth through competing through their kids. I tell you parents, it is such a toxic culture. You know who bears the brunt? Ah? The pastors. Ah? We have to counsel your kids. ma. Listen, you are unique and you never have to compare yourself one to another. Parents, your children are wonderfully, intricately and fearfully made in the image of God. You never have to compare him or her to another child. Your cousin did better. Your brother did better. 
You never have to compare them to another person. God created us all an original, don't die a copycat. Because every time you compare yourself to others, the fear of failure sets in, right? Because you've got you to find somebody who is doing better than you, who's earning more money than you, who is better looking than you. When I look at Pastor Rachel, I get so discouraged. I think, alamak, how do I have nice curly hair? And... Right? Oh, you look at somebody, you compare, and maybe you are doing better than that person. And then pride sets in. Either way, you're dead in the water, and God says, don't do it. Don't compare. Don't compare your children. Don't compare your houses. Don't compare your spouses. Pastor Philip is a great role model, ladies and gentlemen. Have you seen whenever, you know, have you seen him whenever they walk together, Pastor Philip and Pastor Nancy? Wow, I tell you, he holds the wife's hand, opens the car door, you know. Wow, really spoil market. Uh. All the guys, all the guys in Miri and Kuching, when they, when they came, uh, they said, wow, Pastor Philip, we don't know if we can ever live up to your standard of being a man, you know, a gentleman. All right, man. Skyline Benchmark. <laughs> awesome. Love it. Love it. We need to invite the men in Skyline to come and do some men conference for us. For the Sarawakian brothers. Come on. <laughs> Galatians chapter 6 and verse 4. The, the Living Bible says this. Let everyone be sure that he is doing his very best. For then he will have the personal satisfaction of work, well done, and he won't need to compare himself with someone else. Wow. I read you another translation. The NCV Bible says it this way. Each person should judge his own actions and not compare himself with others. Then he can be proud for what he himself has done. Each person must be responsible for himself. This is a legitimate kind of pride. You've done your best. You know you have put in your best efforts, your excellence. You have not, you have not shortchanged God in that sense because Colossians says, do, as, do everything as unto the Lord, right? And so if you have given your best, then you should be proud of yourself. Someone comes and praise you, don't say, no la, no la. Say thank you. It's something we can all learn to say, thank you. Yes, thank you. And this brings me to the next root, which is the root of false humility. This is where the nola, nola verbatim comes, right? Nola, nola, glory to God, glory to God. <laughs> we do that, right? And sometimes inside, actually, we're very shocked and deary one. We, we like the praise one. We like the applause one. We like the validation and encouragement one. But then outside, we're like, nola, nola, False humility, which essentially is pride. Just say a humble thank you. Acknowledging that every good and perfect gift has come from God alone. You are nothing without Him. I am nobody without Him. And so if someone praises you and says, hey, well done, Asebi, say thank you. Because I know, I acknowledge that it is not of my own competence. It is only because of the grace of God that He has apportioned this part of blessing, of anointing for me. And so I say a humble thank you. And the root, remember we're doing a root system, so root, root, huh? 
The root of false humility is the pride or the poverty mindset. It's either the pride or the poverty mindset. Now, let me give you a few examples to help you discern the differences. Now, when you think about a situation in your life, pride will say, I deserve more. Right? Poverty will say, I should feel guilty. I shouldn't be driving this kind of car. I'm a Singaporean. When I got sent to Miri and, and the church board, you know, they were so generous, right? They rented this church house for me. And I tell you, I wake up every morning for the first few months of my missionary life living in guilt because my, my mentality of being a missionary is to live in those, you know, wooden steel house. Then like the water, very dirty one. Like really suffer and sacrifice for Christ one. And every morning I wake up, I'm like, God, should I even be living in a house like that? Someone from Kuching bought us a car. It's a Nissan Serena Hybrid. Yeah, I'll share more in the, in the next service. I'm preaching a different message, by the way, in the second service, okay? So stay for that. But someone blessed us with a car, and every time I drive, people think Cornerstone, Sarawak, very rich, huh? Wow, Cornerstone Miri must be a church from Singapore. Singapore, give all the money, huh? Hey, it wasn't our story, you know. We had so many backstories of faith. And, and I would drive this car and I'll be so guilty and I would look at Rachel and say, are we even supposed to be living like that? And I remember one time I, I, I came before the Lord and I said, God, if this is not how I'm supposed to live right, I will gladly just tell my board, right, hey, please, lah, don't give me this kind of house. Lah. Hey, take this car away from me, you know. And uh, I said, God, I will suffer for you. <laughs> and you know what the Lord said to me? He said, I have blessed you in this measure because I want to deal with and break the poverty mindset in Sarawak. Because the pastors in Sarawak, they all drive kanchils. And they all live in really small, tiny houses. And they all have this mindset like, God, you know, I'm a servant of God and so I cannot live luxuriously or God cannot bless me in such a big measure of portions. And, and so they live in this poverty mindset. And so when he said that to me, I'm like, let's do it, God. I welcome all kinds of blessings. In Jesus' name, Amen. <laughs> When someone says, wow, you have a nice house. Pride will say, oh, we are going to get a bigger one. We're about to expand, like expand. Ah. Poverty says, oh, no, lah. it was a foreclosure. <laughs> when someone says, oh, hey, that's a nice suit you have. Pride says, it's tailor-made. Poverty says, ah, no, lah. I got it at half price. Lah. <laughs> discount, lah. got, got discounts so I buy. When someone says, hey, that's a nice car. Pride says, yeah, I've got three of them. Poverty says, no lie, it's a company. It's a company car. Church car, church car. <laughs> okay, a few examples to help you discern the differences between pride and poverty. Basically, essentially, pride wants people to think that we paid more. Poverty wants people to think that we paid less. Right? Pride causes us to compare ourselves with others. Poverty causes us to compare others with ourselves. And so let me close by giving you then the antidote, the remedy to combat false humility. Whether it's the pride or the poverty mindset you carry, it is that of gratitude. Everybody say gratitude. It is that humility to come before people and say thank you. I don't deserve it, but thank you. Thank you. Don't fall into the false humility trap. Pride says, I earned it. I worked very hard for it. I earned it. 
Poverty says, I shouldn't have it. Gratitude says, I received it by grace. I love this story of Mother Teresa that I read one time. I came across and she tells the story of ministering to an old woman dying from starvation. And let me quote her. She said, one evening we went out and we picked up four people from the street. And one of them was in a most terrible condition. I told the sisters, you take care of the other three and I will take care of the one who looks the worst. So I did for her all that my love could do. I put her in bed and there was such a beautiful smile on her face. She took hold of my hand and she uttered only two words. Thank you. Then she died. I could not help but examine my conscience before her. And I asked, what would I say if I were in her place? And my answer was very simple. I would have tried to draw a little of attention to myself. I would probably have said, I'm hungry, I'm dying, I'm in pain. Or something along those lines. But she gave me much more. She gave me her grateful love. And she died with a smile on her face. And Mother Teresa says, this is how... This is the way I want to die regardless of my circumstances. Not with whining, complaining and whimpering. Not with bitterness of spirit, but with gratitude on my lips. If I'm able to do this, it will bring a smile not only to my face, but to the face of God. What a beautiful story of account. I conclude with Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. And I want to derive my uh, three points of very practical ways of how we can break the uh, Pisces spirit in this Asian culture. Okay? Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, as soon as Jesus was baptized, He went up out of the water and at that moment, heaven was open and He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on Him. And a voice from heaven, the Father said to Jesus, This is my Son. Whom I love, with Him I am well pleased. Three verbatims here. This is my Son, whom I love, and in whom I am well pleased. He didn't just say it once, by the way. This is a good practical uh, note for parents here today. It's a great statement to say to your children. He, the father didn't just say once, in another account in Matthew 17 and verse 5, he says it again. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Listen to him. I think this is what every son needs. And when I say son, I don't just mean son in the gender of male. I mean in a general term of sons and daughters. I genuinely believe that this is what every son and daughter needs to hear. This is my son. That's acceptance. Acceptance. You are my son. You are my daughter. We live in a world of rejection today and because we're so performance driven, right? That when your child makes a mistake or he fails, what do we say to our spouse? Hey, daddy, you see lah, your son. Hey, your daughter, ah, right? And then when they do well, right, and they achieve, you know, good grades or they achieve something great in life, wow, this is my son, ah. my daughter. How many of you are thankful this morning that Christ saved us, even Christ died for us even before we said the sinner's prayer? 
even before we repented before Him and say, God, forgive me. Doesn't it say in Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates His own love towards us in that, that, that we, while we were still sinners, while we were still wretched, Christ died for us. Acceptance. This is my son. This is my daughter. And then he goes on to say, whom I love. Asian culture, let's learn to be affectionate. Affection, whom I love. I know as Asians, right, very, very, uh, sometimes it's a, a bit awkward, lah, right, to, uh, to hug one another, to, you know, to say, I love you, right? I mean, I'm Asian myself, okay? Uh, when, we were, when we were children, we were, we were uh, forced, no, lah, not forced, but my, my parents made us hug them, you know, give them a little peck on their cheek and say, Good night, dad, good night, mom. And then over the time, you know, education came in and, you know, the Asian culture came in, right? We get really awkward. And uh, until today, I'm 36, you know. My father, right, when he posts pictures up on my Facebook and tags me, right, he still calls me a princess. And I tell you, I was so embarrassed by it. I, I, I texted my dad. I said, Dad, I said, please lah. I said, I'm 36 already. Eh. I said, you know, I mean, I'm an adult now. You know, we planted two churches, you know. You know, and then, you, you know, I'm very proud of my princess. Pink colour stickers hearts. But that's the truth. We get, we get awkward when our parents show us affection. Right? Recently, my parents came to Kuching to visit, to visit us, you know. And uh, after the service, you know, I went up to my mom. My mom was speaking to a couple in our church in Kuching. And so when I went up, you know, the, the, one of our church members, she said, wow, you must be so proud of Pastor Sabrina. Thank you for giving her to us, you know, and so on and so forth. And then my mom reached out and she hugged me. She said, yeah, I'm so proud of her. I tell you, I froze. I'm being real, man. I froze, you know. I'm just like, oh, awkward. What they do, the awkward turtle, like, awkward. <laughs> And it's something I'm still learning. It's something I'm still learning to be affectionate. I've got Sarawak to thank for. I tell the people in Miri, please, when I die, bury me in Miri. Yes, bury me in Miri because, you know, God had done so much uh, undoing and untangling of my ministry perspectives, of a lot of perspectives of life in me, in Miri. The people there are so relational, so communal. You know, I'm the kind, some, a prophet gave me a word before, Sabrina, you're so, she, he doesn't even know me, by the way. He said, you're a very intense little girl. I'm like, yeah. And then he says, you know, when God gives you something, you, you go all the way out for it and you even push people out of the way to get to it. And I'm like, yeah. That's me. And then he says, that is passion. And then he says, but God wants me to tell you that he wants to combine that passion with his compassion. Because when your passion is being converged together with his compassion, you're going to walk in a supernatural way that you've always desired in your ministry. And I tell you, I, I, I don't think I really learned what, what compassion looked like until I went to Sarawak. You know, my, I, I, we had this uh, for a long time, for a while rather, for a season. Cornerstone Miri was known as the drunkard church. Because we had drunkards staggering into our churches. We had people who were high on drugs coming to our church because no other church would have accepted them. 
And so they started coming to Cornerstone, you know, and I tell you, we had to deal with, with one pastoral case after another. We saw the power of God touch their lives in amazing ways. But when they came in, right, and I started hanging out with them, I, re- I will never forget one account. I remembered how foul they were in their words, right? People of the world. I, I tell you, I've been in full-time ministry for nearly 10 years of my life. 2020 was my 10th year, so this year is my 12th year in full-time ministry. And uh, I beca- I've become so Christianized in this Christian lovely bubble, right? And in Singapore, right, it's like you're just always with Christians, you know? And then suddenly I hang out with this group of people, right? And they're like, dude, 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 you know? And then the things that come out of their mouths, you're just so appalled. And of course, I'm the pastor, right? So I have to give polite smiles, la, like, <sighs> but inside, right, I was totally judging them, la. You know, and I felt so defiled. I really felt so defiled, you know. I'm just like, oh man, can we go? Can we go? Because I don't know how long more I can stay in this defiled environment. I tell you, I went home, right? I was so broken. Ask Rachel, I couldn't talk for 10 days. I said, God, I've become so Christianized, right? I don't even know what it means anymore to be in the world but not of the world. And for 10 days, I said, God, give me a love revival. Give me a compassion revival because I don't just want to be zealous and and, and passionate for you. I want to know what breaks your heart. And if you have posted me and seconded me here in Miri and in Sarawak to deal with these people and to reset an entire culture in society, then God, break my heart for what breaks yours. And for 10 days, I tell you, I just cried for, I cried non-stop. 10 days, I cried and I cried. I said, God, I can't go on like this. I, I don't even know who I am anymore. I said, God, I can't go on like this. You got to break my heart. Give me compassion for these ones. And I tell you, for 10 days, I just wept in the presence of God. God did something very powerful and deep in my heart. Today, they're all my bros. When they come, hey, Pastor Sebi, yo. I'm like, yo, bro. <laughs> one of them came up to me one time. His name is Gavin. He said, hey, he's a pastor. We want to we burn our bongs. Hey, I'm a clean cut, very legal citizen of Singapore. I looked at him. I said, I, I, so, sorry, what do you want to burn? We want to burn our bongs. Like, I'm so sorry. What are bongs? <laughs> and so they all laughed at me. They said, oh, it's the instrument that we use to do drugs and all that. I'm like, wow, cool, let's do it. And so they brought their bongs, they brought stashes of weed and, and meth and all these shoe boxes. They kept them in shoe boxes, you know. We went to Pastor Solomon's house, you know, set up a, a fire in the backyard and, and all of them they brought and they just burned. And then, you know, Gavin said, you know, Pastor, can I please lead us all in the Lord's prayer? I said, sure, man, let's do it. You know, it's our Father in heaven. It was such an amazing time. But Asians, we got to learn what it means, whom I love. Show affection. Show affection. I'm still learning it. Let's all learn together. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, it says it this way, Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ, be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands. The resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. Now, I suggest to all of us this morning that the laying on of hands is more than just blessing somebody. It is physical contact. People need to be touched in the right ways. People need a, 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 a touch, 
a pat on their shoulders to say, hey, well done. Before I, I, I encourage you, before you leave today's service, if you're not staying for the second, which you should, <laughs> go to somebody in this hall and just give someone a pat on the shoulder and say, hey, you know, good job lah. Hey, well done lah. You know, hey, I heard about, you know, your testimony at the dawn prayer a uh, few days ago. Wow, so proud of you. Right? Sister to sister, brother to brother, go and hug somebody. The laying on of hands is physical contact because everything in the kingdom of God is relationally transferred by contact. You can't, you can't transfer something through a text. Parents, if you need to affectionately embrace your child today as your altar call response, do it. Even if they're awkward, do it. Call them princess. And the last point is this, right? The father says to, 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 to the son, this is my son, acceptance, whom I love, affection, in whom I am well pleased. That is affirmation. Affirmation. See, the Apostle Paul, no matter how great a church planter and apostle he was, he always was a man of affirmation. I love this man. He's the first guy I want to meet when I go to heaven. He always affirms people. I mean, the book of Romans is perhaps to me the most doctrinated book in the entire Bible. It's full of doctrines, right? But yet at the end of Romans, right, you know what Paul writes? He doesn't end with like another profound doctrinal truth. No. A whole chapter at the end is dedicated to affirmation. Greet Priscilla. Send my love to so-and-so. Send my regards to Eudacris. He affirms and he knows them all by name. He is my role model. Sometimes as pastors, uh, once the church hits a certain number, we forget people's names already, you know. Like, yeah, I know. You look familiar, like your face, like your face. But what's your name? Uh? Man, the Apostle Paul, he has planted so many churches. He goes everywhere and he remembers them by name. He doesn't general, you know, hey, brothers and sisters, send my greetings to Priscilla, Aquila, to Eudacris, to Eucalyptus. Uh, I'm testing your Bible knowledge. Uh. Some of you don't know, right? You think, hey, go eucalyptus. Uh. You know, a secular business magazine, Inc. magazine, once published an article and the title was this, what to, want to double your employee's loyalty? And science says, provide these three things. And then they had a little bracket hint. It's got nothing to do with how much you pay them. And these are the three things that a secular business magazine writes. You want to double your employees' loyalty. Firstly, they need to feel like they belong. Acceptance. Secondly, they need to feel safe. Affection. And then it says they need to feel like they matter. Affirmation. I love it when science figures out what God had known all along. Stand with me as we close this morning. Alright man, Pastor Philip, I kept to my time. It is a miracle in itself. Amen. The Word of God will not return unto Him void. And this morning, I do believe that God has spoken to each and every one of us in a very personal way. Whether it's in breaking the fear of failure, some of us were so paralyzed by fear. You're so paralyzed by the fear of failing that you don't even try, try to, to step out of the boat. Listen, if you don't step out of the boat, you'll never learn what it means to walk in a supernatural dimension on water. 
I'm just really hearing the Spirit of God today inviting. There is an invitation to walk in the realm that He walks in. As He said to Peter, come. Peter, come. Come and walk and live in the realm of my supernatural dimension. My supernatural blessing and provision. My supernatural healing and miracle that you've been contending for. And there is that invitation today, come. But some of us, we're so scared to even step out of the boat because of the fear of failing. Maybe some of us growing up, you've been called a failure in your life. One of my teachers came up to me one time in high school and she said, Sabrina, at the, at the rate that you're going, you're never going to amount to anything great in your life. And that stuck with me for many years. I thought, yeah, I'll always be a rebel. I'll continue being a rebel, you know. Always want to do the opposite, right? Reverse psychology doesn't work. Maybe some of us this morning, you're living in a poverty mindset or a pride mindset. And the Lord is exposing that in our lives. You're saying, God, deal with this in my heart. Deal with this in my mindset. I want to I humbly acknowledge that every good and perfect gift has come from you alone. I can only do what I can do today because of your divine empowerment. Because of your grace and your grace alone. And so God, I want to acknowledge that. I want to accept that. And the next time someone applauds me, someone gives me a praise or an encouragement, teach me how to say thank you. However, the Lord has spoken to you. Let's all respond to the word this morning. Every eyes closed and every head bowed if the Lord has spoken to you in a measure or so, in one part or so, wherever you are, just lift up your hands and I'm just going to say a prayer over you. Just begin to lift up your hands as a response to the Lord. It is time for the Asian church to arise in this hour. Asian businessmen who are kingdom-minded, Asian missionaries, come on, Asian preachers and teachers. And I see many in this house who will be sent forth from KK, from Skyline. And you're going to carry the DNA of the kingdom of God as Asian ambassadors, as Asian sons and daughters in the house of God. Because you have a message and you have a voice. Don't let the enemy silence that voice. Don't let the enemy paralyze you with fear. There is, a, there is there, I, I just see an impression of the Lord as the eagle, right? And He's coming and He's, he's uh, what is the word to use? He is um, rattling the nest, right? He's, he's, uh, he's, he's like uh, rattling the nest and He's saying, come on, it's time to fly. It is time to soar. Asian eagles, it is time to soar. It is your time. It is your time. And so Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we are responding to your word this morning. God, as an Asian bride here in KK Sabah, God, as Skyliners, God, we are responding and we're saying, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, to your promises. Yes, Lord, to your purposes. And we acknowledge that even in your promises and your purposes, we will have to go through the pain of failure, the pain of discouragement. But Lord, I pray that God, you will create such a tenacity in our spirit, man, of perseverance, of resilience, that we will not try to weed out the tears prematurely. The pain of failure, prematurely.
maturely that in turn we also weed out the purposes of God in our lives. Lord, I pray today that you will expose these mindsets. You will expose these spirits in the Asian culture. Your church, the ecclesia, is called to live above the cultural norm of society. And I pray today, may we be so soaked up in kingdom culture that we will demonstrate what true success looks like. Not in the perspective of what the world defines success to look like, but in your eyes and in your kingdom. For in the world they say, up, up, up is the way to go. But then it's a paradox in your kingdom. You say you want to be the greatest, be the least of them all. You want to go up, you go down first. So teach us, Lord. Here we are. We hear you. Expose these roots and deal with them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Before I hand the time over, if you are here for the first time or you've been here in Skyline for a few times, but you've never really publicly acknowledged Christ as your Saviour and your Lord. And today, in the presence of God in this house, you're saying, Pastor Sabi, please pray for me, pray with me. I want to invite this Jesus you're talking about into my heart. I want to see life, I want to see success the way He sees it. I want to experience what true life looks like. I want this life you're talking about. If that is you, every eye is closed, no one looking around. If that is you, if you're giving your life for the first time to the Lord, listen, I'm not trying to pull you into a religion because religion is dead. It has no power to change and transform your lives. I am, however, inviting you to come into this relationship, this walk with this God in heaven I'm talking about. And He says over you today, this is my son. You are my daughter whom I love whom I love and in whom I'm well pleased. Or perhaps you want to rededicate your life back to the Lord today. You're saying, I, I've been coming to Skyline. I call myself a Christian, but I don't really actually have a walk with Christ and I want to rededicate my life back to Him. If that is you, at the count of three, if you could just raise your hands wherever you are, I'm going to lead you into a simple prayer and then I'll hand the time over to Pastor Philip, all right? So one, two, three. Is there anyone here? You want to give your life to the Lord, to Jesus. Anyone who wants to rededicate, yeah, I see your hand, brother. Thank you for that hand. Anyone else? Anyone else? You can just slip it up and put it down. I see your hand. We'll pray with you. Is there anyone else? Just 10 more seconds. 10 more seconds. If the Lord is nudging on the doors of your heart this morning, don't turn Him away. Open your hearts to Him. Open your hearts to Him and experience the Father's love. Anyone else? Five more seconds. Amen. We're going to pray together with our brother. Every one of us, I believe you're all believers here. Let's all pray together with our brother who lifted up his hand. Can we? Yes. Father, Father I, come before you today. I come before you today. I open my heart to you. And I welcome you to be my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me all my sins. Cleanse me with your blood. And help me have a relationship with you. I want to know you. So speak to me, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give God a praise offering this morning. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody say hallelujah.
Thanks so much for listening. If you need prayer or want to be a part of our family, visit us at SkylineSIB.com and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at SkylineSIB. Remember, you are highly favored, greatly blessed, and deeply loved. Have a great week.